When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. We are brought to you today by Bet Online. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show and thank you to you for joining us on this episode of the show. A very strange and weird one given that the NBA has suspended its season. Well, not, not just the NBA, sports all over the world and not just sports, everything is shutting down at the moment due to the, uh, I guess, the evolving situation with the coronavirus and here to take me through it all is the great prophet C. Red Fred. Fred, how are you, sir? Uh, well, I've been better. I mean, we're you know kind of sequestered in our house for the next couple of weeks. My kids have been their schools closed down, so um, you know my my wife is a teacher's aide who gets paid hourly. So obviously, that's going to have negative ramifications for us for the next few weeks. It's just unbelievable how this has touched virtually every person that I know in a personal way so quickly. You know, and um, it's good to see the Chicago Bulls stepped up to address the issue with the hourly employees. And, um, you know, I hope that we can, you know, hope and pray that things will get back to some level of normalcy, hopefully in the next 60 days as we kind of get a handle on this. But, you know, it's really a lot of uncertainty uh, regarding what's happening. So, I mean, these are strange times, you know, like I, I was talking earlier, I was listening to an interview with Roger Daltrey of The Who who was talking about when he was born and, uh, you know, during World War II, just after World War II, and what they had to endure for five years getting bombed and going into, you know, when, when the Germans were bombing London, going under uh, underground and coming up and, you know, not knowing whether or not your home would still be there. It's, you know, nowhere near as bad as that right now. And I think most of the people, if they unfortunately get stricken with this, are going to survive it. Uh, it is still cause a lot of uncertainty, a lot of stress and anxiety on, you know, worldwide. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's the thing. It is truly a global, a global issue. Yeah, the way the world has reacted to this has been interesting. And yeah, it, it's just, yeah, it's interesting to watch. Obviously, sport is just one part of this. The fact that the NBA season is over, well, we assume it's over. It's going to be over for at least the next 30 days, possibly longer. Who knows how long for? Is this season done? Are we moving into the next season whenever basketball starts up again? Will they try to resume 
this season that's currently going on or was going on and will they try to pick it up whenever it sort of comes back or are they just going to call it quits? I mean, that is just our basketball world. But to your point, this is truly a global issue to, yeah, it's affecting literally every country almost, I guess, or maybe not every country just yet, but you would assume over time at the way things are sort of rapidly moving, the way they're, the way the virus is spreading across the globe, it's going to be a huge global issue, which is pretty damn sad given how bad 2020 has started already for this year from a basketball perspective. But uh, yeah, it's 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 doesn't seem like it's going to get better anytime soon, but hopefully, fingers crossed, if people do the right thing over the next three, four weeks, then we can get this thing under control a bit. That's the question though. Are they going to? You know, it's kind of unique that this is really uh, affecting the elderly. And, and the older you are, the less likely you are to get through it. I mean, from what it's, 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 I mean, the mortality rate is almost like the flu if you're under, you know, 30. Uh, but in Chicago, I've been disappointed to see all the bars are open. All the youngsters are out there, you know, partying like it's 1999. I, I don't know if it's going to get under control. It's really disturbing to see how some people are reacting or acting like this. This is something that's serious. And, you know, although it won't hurt you or probably kill you, it could absolutely hurt someone uh, who's, uh, you know, elderly, who's close to you. So, you know, I only got one parent left. I'm not really happy with what I've seen the way some people are reacting to this. I know, you know, and I don't think this is going to be, I hope, I mean, God forbid, but I think, you know, some of the young athletes, unfortunately, in the NBA who who have it, you know, I think they're going to be okay. Rudy Gobert looks like he's getting through, you know, hopefully going to get through it. And it's just going to be just another case of bad case of the flu. But, you know, if Rudy Gobert's parents or, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell's parents ever got it, I mean, it could be f- fatal for them. So it's kind of like a reverse w- war in a way where usually – World War is decimate the, the younger population. This could have potentially decimate the elderly. And, um, you know, it's something that people need to take serious. And I'm, I'm really kind of disappointed at the level of seriousness that's been given with some of the people I've spoken with. Yeah, I've seen that along my timeline on Twitter, at least. That it's the same same Patrick Day is about now. Is that, is that correct? Am I it's a big is... deal in Chicago. Very big deal yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, and you see these people partying and. My goodness, are you kidding me? You know, like- yeah, I don't understand why people are out there like that, particularly when it's seems to be like it's a. I mean, it's it's obviously affecting my country as well, Australia, but it hasn't necessarily gotten off the chain just yet. We haven't necessarily had you know super quarantines or shutdowns or anything like that. I mean, I'm sure that'll come over the coming weeks, but it's seemingly taking off probably at a rap- more rapid rate in the US, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I have seen what you're referring to, at least from a Twitter sense, people talking about or showing pictures of people just still parting it up about the St. Patrick's Day. I mean, and the NBA have done the right thing given that they've had now three players test positive, Rudy Gobert, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and Christian Wood today. That that news came out. But there's still events going on for other sports, stupidly, I think. Like MMA was going on either today or yesterday, whenever it was. I can't, I can't remember when that or it was said to be going on. There's obviously people still going about their day and partying, like you sort of mentioned. So, I don't know. There is, there are, there are people still not taking this seriously just yet, which is kind of sad to see. And not to make this political or of any sorts, but given that certain world leaders aren't necessarily taking it seriously themselves, and it's hard to expect the people of certain countries to do so as well. But 
it's just a weird, weird time for it without basketball. And it, I guess that's a, the weird thing. Like I try to use sports as a bit of an escape from the escape from reality where, you know, it, it is tough out there. Sometimes I don't want to deal with the world's issues or my own issues within the world. And I like to escape with, within sports because of that. But having sports taken away, having our balls taken away as frustrating as they can be, it's still some sort of comfort behind that. But now that that is gone and you're sort of just left with your your own thoughts to a degree, just sort of, you know, you're just by yourself in your house type thing, just quarantining, it's tough. And to see people not taking it seriously, it's it's bothersome. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know it's a little bit easier for me to say. I mean, I usually that's what I'd prefer to do on a weekend anyhow, stay at home. I enjoy staying at home and hanging out with my kids and, and family and just it's not like a big this is not difficult for me to be home for two weeks uh yeah. i know for other people it is a little bit more difficult if you're young and you enjoy going out that's got to be a little bit more difficult or maybe your family situation isn't great but gosh it's it, you gotta realize how serious this is i mean for wood to get it he was guarding gobert on saturday night you know and and it's just it's so clear this is this is so easy to transmit this, this, you know, this sickness, this, this virus. So, um, it, it, that's the biggest, obviously, if you get into big spaces or it's, I, I mean, it's probably already out there. Let's face it. I think that this is, the situation is probably a lot worse than we realize because the testing has been so lax in the United States. It's probably a lot, a lot more people are as affecting than we realize right now. Just to hopefully a matter that these measures that have been taking place now, hopefully kind of stop it. But you're right. Like sports to me is, uh, is a huge um it's kind of like a uh, the language that transcends all bonds like no matter what your race is what what, what your um you know what, what uh stratosphere economic stratosphere you're in everybody can talk about this it kind of brings people together and when you're don't have it suddenly and you have it's it's, it's just taken away from you you know, I hope that somehow in the next 60 days we can get things under control and we can get some sense of normalcy back. I was listening to Malcolm Gladwell talk about this on the recent Bill Simmons podcast, and I agree with him. It's it's kind of it's important to bring that back into our lives, that sense of normalcy. And that's what happened in 9-11 when you saw baseball come back pretty quick. It's what happened in World War II when the baseball season still went on. Um, and I think it's important. And so – Hopefully, even if there's no fans in the stands, I hope they can figure it out where at least the players can start playing again, hopefully within 60 days. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean, the the National Basketball League here in Australia is literally going through its finals at the moment. So, game three is on in like an hour and a half. So, that will be played to an empty stadium. So, that is just weird to think that literally the, the, the biggest moments of the NBL season has come down to game three of, of, of the of the final, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And they'll be playing in an empty in an empty arena. The, the rest of Australian sports that are sort of just kicking off our football and rugby seasons, they're going to be playing in uh, empty stadiums as of, I think, as of Monday, I believe. So it's, it's a weird time, but I... I as long as they are obviously taking the necessary caution and the necessary action to make sure these players are safe, then that's all that really matters. And I guess if there's one group of people throughout the world that I'm not too concerned about with this whole thing is probably is these professional athletes, given that they are young, healthy, in that right age demographic where this type of virus won't necessarily affect these type of people too much. And they also have, one, the disposable income behind them to sort of support themselves, but two, they also have 
you know, the the best medical people looking after these guys. I mean, straight away, the Jazz players, the OKC players, teams around the NBA were getting uh, getting tested straight away. Whereas, you know, regular people just just going about their day and their, their day in their life, they don't necessarily have those sorts of luxuries. So, I'm not too concerned with the players themselves in terms of obviously we want to keep them safe, but I think out of everyone, they're probably going to be the safest ones out there, or, or going to be the ones that are at least have the means to take care of themselves more than more than most. Yeah, and I think they'll bring us some solace in the next 10 days if Rudy Gobert and the news comes out that Gobert and, and Mitchell and you know obviously now Wood are all doing great and healthy and feeling great and uh I think that will help people but you know if someone god forbid if Tom Hanks passes or something like that you're going to see a certain level of people just start freaking out. And uh you know now cuz now it's it really just became a lot more real when, you know, famous people. I think when with that happening with Gobert testing positive for it, it's one of the most, you know, it's something I'll remember for the rest of my life. I mean, it was just it. That's when it really kind of almost became real, right? And for you, for you and me. I mean, it started to get there. Clearly, there were a lot of, uh, a lot of. I mean, a week ago, I went on a business trip to Minnesota, and I had never walked through an airport that was that empty at that time. I was on a plane with like maybe 10 people that never happened before. You know, it was clear things were starting to change at that point. But then when you hear a basketball player of Rudy Gobert and then obviously Donovan Mitchell's quality, they're both, they both have coronavirus. It was like, wow, you know, so, wow, strange times, you know, Uh, but uh, you got to be positive that we're going to get through this. And I think we will, Um, but just hopefully with as, as few people, I mean, it's a mess in Italy right now. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think with, we need to stay positive. I think we will get through it. Hopefully, we are smart enough to come together and, and to, to to find a way through this, and hopefully we can find a vaccine sooner rather than later and get through all this. But to, I do to, want to say one really quick point, though, too, Mark, that I didn't mention is, you know, I was on Thursday We had a, at work. We had a, a person leave our company. And we had an event at a restaurant where we all went there. It was about 15 or 20 people. Probably not the smartest thing to do at this time. But I was talking to a waitress who was there, and she was telling me how devastating this is for her and her family. And I'm like, she's like, the, the tournament is her biggest tips. She makes more tips during the NCAA tournament, makes more money. She probably makes half her salary, she estimated. Uh, and I can't remember if she said half, but it was a significant amount. And, you know, you don't even think about people like that, but this is going to have devastating effects on the economy that are going to be far-reaching and profound. So, you know, it it will impact everybody. Um, Just, you know, hopefully we can mitigate it and turn it around as quickly as possible. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the the economic impact is going to be huge. And and like you mentioned from the top, it's good to see the Reinsdorf supporting the arena staff of the United Center during this time. Obviously, they'll be doing so until or up until the schedule season was meant to be going. So mid-April, I suppose, those, those staff will be receiving their wages, which is good to hear, I suppose. You you want to see these big billionaires sort of coming to the table and offering and, and supporting their staff. I know players out there, Kevin Love, uh, Giannis, Blake Griffin, they were laying down some of their own coin and maybe that was the impetus for these owners coming uh, coming out and supporting uh, supporting the staff. I think Mark Cuban was straight away on it, which was good to see. But the rest of these NBA teams are slowly getting slowly getting there. It's good to see that the runs off and the Bulls are doing so as well. I, I do want to call out some of the, the, the fake uh, compassion 
I've seen on Twitter from a lot of these people, you know, you know, pointing out that they're hey, Reinsdorf step up and, and they did step up. A lot of these same people that were making these statements were calling out for fans not to show up at the United Center. Like I've gone to the United Center for 25 years. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of terrible Bulls teams. But, you know, all those people there make every experience I've ever had at a, at a Bulls game fantastic. It's a great experience, no matter how good the team is. So when the next time you think about calling for people not to show up or yelling at people for going to games, yeah, they're not the the players aren't the only people that it's, it impacts that. These people who work at the games aren't even going to be hired if there's not people going to games. So think about that next time before you start chanting for and, and, and uh, yelling down the people that are showing up at the games because it does have an impact on those people. I, th- I found it very hypocritical to see a lot of these people, these same people that were, were were demanding that you stop going to Bulls games. Fair point, fair point. I mean, it's it, it's their own, but uh, uh, look, it is good to see the Reinsdorfs obviously step up and support their staff. I, I had I asked the question when we were going to hear the news about the Reinsdorf doing so, and within 24 hours we got that news. So it was good to see them them doing that, but. Fred, we don't know what's going to be happening with the NBA this season, whether it's going to be returning in its fullest form in terms of this 2019-20 season. I guess that's dependent on so many variables that we can't, we just can't possibly know what the rest of the NBA season looks like at this point. So I don't know what we're meant to make of this season from a Bulls perspective, given this is a Chicago Bulls podcast. I mean, we were 65 games into the season. We were pretty much on the home stretch. We we're starting to get our players back team was starting to get healthy we were hopefully going to be learning something about this this team and particularly the core players over the final 15 17 games something like that but all of a sudden that is obviously taken away from us now and who knows when basketball returns if it will even be the 2019-20 season anymore we'll be moving straight into the new season whenever that may or may not be so what do you think about this whole thing from a bull standpoint? We talked about it from a world perspective, even you know, bringing it more holistically to the NBA, but maybe coming a little bit more localized back to our Chicago Bulls. What what does this all mean for our Bulls this season in particular? If if it is if it is done, what what are we meant to make of it now? How do we evaluate any of this? Well, I think it's it's pretty easy to evaluate. It's been an unmitigated disaster. It's been a horrific year. Um, there have been some bright spots, especially almost all centered around Kobe White and Zach Levine, uh, especially Kobe White in the month of February, has finally brought hope to the future of this organization isn't, isn't all bleak. Uh, but in a way, if, the, if basketball resumes and we continue the season in 60 days, there should be one focus going forward to play the core four as much as possible together going forward. I think we need to figure out if Zach Levine and Kobe White can coexist in a backcourt for the next six to seven years as soon as possible. Uh, I had some interesting conversations with uh, my man at Fly Riv uh, today, and and he brought up the point that he thinks they could become similar to what you see in Portland. You know, I believe both these guys are really kind of combo guards, uh, well, not a true shooting guard, not a true power for, uh, a point guard, but they can kind of play both positions. Can they become what, what they have in Portland with Lillard and McCollum? That was an interesting take. I, I I didn't really think about that before, but hopefully that's what they can become, right? A offensive uh, powerhouse, you know, and with some defensive liabilities that you the Bulls can hopefully kind of build uh, build around offensively, and then cover up with players like Wendell Cutter Jr. on the defensive end. That's the whole goal, though. In a way, 
this is going to buy some time for Levine to get healthy. And I think it could potentially, you know, just from, I'm just saying strictly from a Bulls perspective, be a positive so we can see those two together starting and really make that decision as soon as possible. I don't think you can do it in 20 games. I think it's going to require one more year. But that's the question that really matters most. Can Kobe White and Zach Levine coexist as a starting backcourt for the next five to six years on a team that will challenge for a title? Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly probably the most pressing question that most fans will have on their mind when we do resume basketball for the 2019-20 season. But that assumes that we do come back and see the Bulls again this season. So I guess my question now is, like, what happens if we don't? What happens if basketball starts up again in 30 or 60 days or whatever it might be and the NBA takes the stand that, all right, wherever you were in the standings at that point when we suspended the season, that is where that's where we're calling the season. Those standings are they are fact. Well, let's just ice it right there. Let's move straight into the playoffs. We get into playoff mode, and there's only 16 teams left. Obviously, the Bulls will not be one of those teams, given where they sort of stand right now. Do we even? There's a there's a real situation or a real scenario where we don't even get a chance to view that Levine and and uh, Kobe White backcourt. We don't get to see White and Levine playing with Markkanen and Carter. I think with Otto Porter as well. Obviously, Otto Porter's been back for a week now. There's this very real scenario where if we do resume this NBA season, those teams outside of, outside of the playoffs may have played their last game anyway. I think that's highly unlikely for two reasons. Why? Number one, um, I, I think that the NBA would be very foolish to just send these guys back and start the playoffs without any additional regular season games to allow these guys to get a little bit of their feet under them and kind of to just suddenly go into the the fire of the playoffs where players are giving it max effort, I think would be a mistake and it could potentially lead to injury. I don't think they'll do that. The qu- next question comes in, well, if but let's assume they do. What does that mean for the beloved? Well, let me just really quickly. The second reason I think they're unlikely to do that is because on both conferences, three to six, seeds three to six are separated by, I think it's only two games. Uh, definitely in the East, uh, the, the Celtics are, excuse me, uh, four to six. The Heat are, um, the Heat and the Sixers are separated by only two games, uh, and the Pacers, those three teams. And in the West, from, from three to, uh, six, it's only two and a half games. So there's four teams between, uh, three and six that are separated by two and a half games. I don't think they're going to want the playoffs. They want to allow those teams to, uh, play a few more games to decide positioning, just my opinion. But let's assume you're right. Let's assume they go right into the playoffs and we lose that ability to determine if these guys can play together. Well, what's going to happen is we're going to start next season with Kobe White as the starting point guard, Zach Levine at the two, Otto Porter Jr. at the three, Laurie Markin at the four, and Wendell Carter Jr. at the five. I don't see any other way you would possibly go uh, you bring in a new GM, is he going to really trade your best asset, your only asset, which is, uh, well, you have two, in, in essence, Kobe White and Zach Levine, that you could really get a King's Ransom for. Uh, but everybody else, I think, are playing significantly below their their ceiling, their trade ceilings. I think it would be foolish to move anyone else, especially Lori Markinen, who's really played himself into the his floor. I think it's best that you bring all those players back and and use next year, hope that they're healthy, and use next year as an evaluation year. Yeah, it's, I want to talk more about this, but before we do, I want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsor. 
With currently no NBA, NHL or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done either. There's still mixed martial arts and esports is on the rise too. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your new ticket to online action. All right, back to the podcast now, because I think this is probably the most interesting topic, given that John Paxson himself has basically put his hands up and said he doesn't know what he has in these players right now. And he said that maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I'm assuming he wanted to see or use the final few weeks of the season to evaluate his players or try to make sense of what he does have on the roster. Now, that may not be an opportunity that he is afforded. And I guess that's why that scenario that this season might be over for the Bulls is probably the most interesting one for me because, yeah, we can say Kobe White, Zach Levine, next season they come back as a starting backcourt and then you've got Lowry and, and obviously Wendell up front. But before that, you've got the draft. Before that, you've got free agency. I, I guess the Bulls I need to understand if Kobe White and Zach Levine can coexist before they go into the draft because this is a point guard heavy draft. So, if they get to a situation where, unfortunately, they are picking seventh again because, you know, that's just what the Chicago Bulls probably will end up doing because they are the Chicago Bulls right now. When the NBA suspended their season, Fred, they happen to have the seventh worst record in the league. So, I'm, uh, yeah, we definitely need to update your mantra. But I guess my point is, if they head into the next season without understanding who fits where, how they all play together because we don't actually get to see the remainder of this season. That is going to impact their decision-making at the draft, at free agency and the like. And it's just going to be interesting to see how they navigate through that given if they don't get to ch- that, that chance of seeing how everyone fits over the last sort of 15 to 17 games. Yeah, I don't I don't think you're going to. Yeah, even if – even a little, I don't see any other solution in bringing them all back, Mark. I mean, like – what in what scenario do you see a trade of Laurie Markin in a good decision or a trade? I guess it's all dependent on what you get in return. But is that really a good direction to go? I, I I think most people would probably agree with me in that it's probably best that you bring everyone back. Nobody's going to take out a poor junior with the money he's going to be owed, at least not till the All Star break. Uh, you know what I mean? Or do you disagree? Do you think there there's another likely scenario that? one of the core four would be moved. I'm not necessarily saying that one of them is going to be traded. I think it's more the decision-making that happens around those guys. And if I think about the draft as an example, let's just let's just very hypothetically, let's say the Bulls are on the clock and, and they're picking between, I don't know, a point guard. Let's just say it's LaMelo Ball. He's there waiting and the ball, the, the the Bulls have the option of of picking someone like Lamelo Ball, or maybe they have the option of going for a wing like I don't, I don't know Isaac Okoro, someone like that. They have that option where potentially, if they knew if Kobe White was a point guard or if he could exist coexist with Zach Levine, then maybe they wouldn't necessarily been leaning towards that point guard route. Maybe they're thinking more wing because Otto Porter has been hurt all year, because Chandler Hutchinson has been hurt all year. Maybe they would have a tendency to go to that wing spot. But if you don't get that evidence that you get to see Zach Levine and Kobe White playing together in the backcourt, and if that can sort of make sense and fits all together, then... 
uh, can you make the decision of you know choosing for fit or or do you still take best player available? I think they're more so the questions I'm thinking about than trading away certain players. You always take the best player available, especially in this draft where there's no clear number one, two, three, four. I mean, who knows who's going to be the best player in this draft? And now with the tournament being canceled, it's going to be that much harder to determine. Whoever you think is the best player, regardless of positions, who you take. You know, this year has been a microcosm of the Garpax era. Uh, when you look back, Kobe White and Daniel Gafford probably is as good as you could have got at seven and where they got in the second round. I'm, I don't think anybody would argue with that, right? Like, who, who should they have taken at seven? Better than Kobe White and at their position in the second round, Daniel Gafford. It's That's pretty good. I think most objective observers can say that was another good pick. Uh, but, you know, the free agents they signed, Sato has been a complete disaster. Dad Young has not lived up to expectations. Isn't that a microcosm of their entire tenure here? Pretty good draft picks for the most part, often doing better than their positioning. Uh, but, you know, free agents have off, often just not lived up to the billing, uh, you know, despite much aplomb and, and, and uh, hype. It's kind of like a microcosm in their entire – now, Overall, I think this season's been far worse than their entire tenure. We've had a lot of good years for the most part. Uh, you know, we, we've only had, I think this is our third or fourth losing season in since 2004. But, um, you know, in general, I'm saying the free agency and the draft picks is kind of mirrors exactly what they've done for the most part. Yeah, to some degree, I suppose. I mean, we, we thought 2017 was a good draft as well, but you just mentioned Thad Young not necessarily living up to his free agency contract or the, the, the idea of what we had as Thad Young being coming to the Bulls. But Thad Young has been better than Larry Markman this season. So I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird situation. This whole, this whole season has been weird for Larry Markman, but Thad, whilst we, we can say he hasn't been what we expected, he's been better than Larry Markman this season. Thad Young has not anywhere lived up near to the hype we had coming in. He hasn't played well until he went to the starting lineup in place of uh, Larry Markinen. I in, in clear, he's not a great fit. He's not a great three-point shooter for this offense. It's not a great fit. And, you know, obviously Jim has not used him in the in, in the right manner. But come on, anybody's going to argue that he hasn't been a – wasn't a massive disappointment until he moved in the starting lineup? Come on, you, you, you would say he was a disappointment. Would you not? Uh- I'm not arguing that. He hasn't certainly been what I expected, but I'm just saying he's been better than Larry Markkinen. And this season, in part, has has just gone off the rails to a degree because Larry Markkinen just looks like a shell of his former self. So I'm prepared to take aim at guys like Thad and Sato and those sorts of things, but they're really not even in the top five, top ten of my issues at the moment with this team. Agreed. But Sato definitely is. That guy's been a total turd this whole season. He's no, number five. He's that. number five with the problems on this team. Shooting 29% no. since December 1st. Everybody thought he was going to be our starting point guard. It's been a massive disappointment. I don't even, If I had a choice between Chris Dunn and Sato, I would take Chris Dunn nine times out of ten for next year's roster, and I think that's exactly it's going to be the reverse. Dunn probably won't be here and will be stuck with Sato again, shooting bricks, playing average defense with his short arms. Well, yeah, I completely disagree. One, because Chris Dunn hasn't played any point guard for the Bulls this year, and that's actually why he's been somewhat effective. And I would most certainly take Sadaransky over Dunn for next season's roster. And uh, I, it was funny, actually, you bring this up because I had I had something in the drafts over at Bloggable saying that the Bulls shouldn't be too crazy about paying Chris Dunn next season. But obviously, that sort of got hit on, put on the shelves given 
the uh, the coronavirus news. So who knows when that'll be coming out. But I'm of the opinion that the Bulls most certainly shouldn't be paying anything more for Dunn than his qualifying offer, which is $4.6 million. Maybe you, you give him a 5 or $6 million deal, something like that. But anything north of that, you know, get stuffed. He, you can let Chris Dunn walk for that amount because he's not worth that amount to, to the Chicago Bulls because he's not a point guard. And if we are building around Kobe White and Zach Levine in that backcourt, then Chris Dunn will never be a starter here. So he shouldn't earn big money for the Bulls off the bench. So that, that's just my quick thoughts on that one. Any team that's serious about becoming a contender will need a perimeter de- defender, uh, elite perimeter defender. And he's he's absolutely that. With in tremendous versatility, guard from Chris Paul to Paul George. Can't find many guys like that. They're absolutely worth 7 or $8 million a year. Sato makes $10 million a year. Don't tell me what Sato brings to this team. That's not reflected in the stats either. Every lineup that Chris Dunn is in is significantly better than any lineup that Sato's in. Sato's been a massive disappointment. So, like, I understand. Yes, I agree with you. $10 million is too much. Where we disagree is on the number. Like, I think if, if you're giving him $7 million a year, $8 million a year, I think that's enough to pay. That's a, that's what he's worth. He's that good defensively. Um and and to say like let him walk for seven million, I think it would be a massive mistake. Some team offers him seven million, you're not willing to match that. You're going to be looking for a defender of his of his caliber for years to come because they don't come along often. Maybe, but I think the Bulls have got far money, far too many problems to be thinking about. They need a defensive stopper on the wing to be a contender. I mean, they they're so far removed from being a contender that thinking about that defensive position on the wing shouldn't even be a top priority right now. It should be trying to establish who the hell you're even going to have as your top three or four players on a contender team if you're even going to be one. I know that's the common song. Everybody likes in Dog Bowl Nation stands up on the stage and screams at the top of their lungs, this is a disaster, you know, and they got the megaphone and burning with the torches and, and screaming bloody murder and biting the heads off of bats. The fact of the matter is if you get a competent coach, you get you hit on a, one more draft pick that will be high up this year, suddenly you're going to have the makings of a good team with Kobe White, Zach Levine, Otto Porter Jr., and some modicum of health next year. Laurie Markkinen, you, you get to work on him and building his confidence up so he approaches something on what he was in February of 2019. He, and Wendell Carter Jr., who we both love and knows has great potential and is already an elite defender, this team could be significantly better. They should have been better this year. Like, to act like this is, ah, oh, they're just awful, I don't think is accurate. They've had injuries, no doubt about it, and they have a, a highly incompetent coach. If you fix those two things, suddenly we'd be a lot better. We'd definitely be a playoff team, in my estimation. And to act like that we won't be, I think it's foolhardy. I'm not convinced that they'll be a playoff team next season because we can expect the Brooklyn Nets to be better than what they are right now. So. Can Sorry? we? Are you sure about that? Can we? 100%. I mean, Kevin Durant is coming back. Kyrie Irving is coming back. They'll be getting players who want to ring chase. So they most certainly will be a better team than what they are now. You could count, you you can count, you can count on one hand that's been chopped in half how many guys have come back from that injury and really been elite again. I, I think Durant will come back. I, I'm going to make a prediction right now as a profit. I do feel <laughs> next year that, that you will see the Nets just like the Nets – Earlier in uh, what was uh, 2013 when they made the trade with Boston, they had one year where they won about 48 or 49 games. I don't remember exactly. You'll see that again next year. And then after that, you're going to see the quick decline. Uh, already Kyrie Irving, I think it's very questionable 
Um, you know, I don't think he had a choice. I think when you sign two players of that that quality, you got to do it. If you've got an opportunity to do it, I don't think they had a choice. But I don't think this is going to turn out well. I think it's entirely possible it ends up being a big, massive flop. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we can look at next season in the Eastern Conference and you can pretty much lock down seven teams straight away in the Eastern Conference playoffs. The top seven that remain right now, I mean, the Nets are currently under 500, but I think they're going to be much better next season. And then it's really a question of who grabs that eighth seed. Is it the Orlando Magic? Is it the Chicago Bulls? Is it the Atlanta Hawks? Those sorts of teams. So I can't guarantee that the Bulls are going to be a playoff team next season. And I can't guarantee that Jim Boylan won't be back next season because of all this taking place. There's a nice, convenient excuse for management who have already said whoever they hire as their next GM, whoever's making the decisions, to have an open mind about their head coaching position, meaning have an open mind about Jim Boylan and retaining him beyond this season. So now the fact that you don't get to see maybe the rest of this season, you don't get to see the Bulls sort of playing with their starting their starting lineup. You don't see get to see a healthy Bulls sort of close out the rest of their season, finally giving Jim Boylan the uh, the team that he hoped he was going to be coaching. I think there is a nice little neat excuse there for management in terms of keeping Jim Boylan around. So if that is the case, Fred, then I can't get too excited or predict that the Bulls will be in the playoffs next season, given that I think there really will be only one open spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs, and that'll be the eighth seed. And I can't guarantee that they will be in there next year. I think people are making far too much of that. Please consider Jim Boylan. I think that was just done very uh, similar to 2016 when Paul Gasol is a, a part of our future and core. I mean, those statements were just made. No, nobody seriously took those to be accurate. I think this statement was done in a similar vein. Nobody in their right mind believes Jim Boyle will be there next year. And anybody they bring in will not keep him on. It's like everybody's freaking out because of that statement. That was just done to at least give Jim a vote of confidence for the remainder of the year and to help him feel good and to pat him on his head and to feed him a bone and let him run back in and play catch with Ryan. It's a joke. People are all upset. Come on. It's not going to happen, so let's stop worrying about it. So are you, as the prophet of this podcast and of Sea Red Nation, are you predicting that Jim Boylan won't be back? I'm not predicting. You have foreseen that Jim Boylan won't be back next season. Is that what you're saying? Is that what yes, you're telling me? I'm telling you he will not be back because if he is back, I won't be back. <laughs> Well, that's not great news for this podcast, given you just recently joined as co-host. And I want to take your vision as um, – I want to take it as gospel, Fred, but given that you predicted the, that the Bulls would be the seventh seed this season and instead, now that there is a global pandemic on our doorsteps, they are actually the team with the seventh worst record in the NBA as of right now. I don't know if I have full trust in what you're saying. Well, you should because I, I every, should. everything I've foreseen, everything, first of all, let me, let's take a step back. Every prediction I made, I went back and listened to some of the off-season podcasts I did, some of the shows I did. Everything I said was correct besides this one. Um, so, like, everything I talked about done, people wanted done out. I was right on that. I was, I was, I could just go up and down the list. I was right on it 100%. I could not foresee there's one thing that I cannot control, and that's the incompetence of the of the head coach and injuries. Those two things I cannot foresee. Those clearly had had a. I mean, the seventh seed was right there for us. It was right there. I did find it ironic. I lost the bet, and being seven and a half games out of that seventh seed really hurt. No doubt about it. It combined both the bet of the five hundred with the, the number seven, seven point five games out. 
and I know, you know, fate is uh, laughing at me. Providence is playing a little joke with me now. But in the end, I'm always proven correct on, on most of these predictions. 93% of the time. Yeah, look, I disagree with that too. But <laughs> that <laughs> I don't is not scientifically Go proven. argue with the scientists at North, uh, North Dakota. Uh, where they at? Idaho. Northwest Idaho. Uh, it was Northeast Idaho. It was Northwest or Northeast. I forget now. How's Idaho shape? Oh, it's it's it northwest. northeast. That's northeast. part of your joke. I know it's sad that I know your joke more than you know your joke. <laughs> but it's even worse if, if if that's what the scientists of Northeast Idaho University are spending their time analyzing, rather than maybe spending time trying to find a uh, a cure or a vaccine for coronavirus. Maybe they should be employing more of their time on that rather than trying to analyze your predictions and your your strike rate and those predictions I think that well would be in their defense i haven't heard from them in a while so i'm sure that's what they're doing which is right fair enough, all fair scientists enough. are working together uh fair and, enough fred look i mean we could bang on about this bulls team and look i i intend to continue podcasting through this pandemic situation given that it is consistently involving who knows when basketball is going to back, be back obviously there's not going to be any basketball for i guess the next month or so but fred i think we can still talk bulls we can still talk some bullshit we can find ways to entertain people out there and look people need some content right now given the fact there is nothing going on particularly if they're going to be sort of strung up in their homes and just particularly if they're going to be trapped in their homes and having not much to do maybe just by the rare chance they will want to tune into bulls hq and hear us talk about some random stuff so i think Fred, we need to go away and we need to think about some ways of entertaining these, entertaining the listeners of Bulls HQ over the next month at least without basketball of, of things we can talk about. And I'm hoping ESPN does the right thing or whoever has the, the rights to it is in Netflix, whoever it might be. And they release that 10 part Chicago Bulls, uh, Jordan years sort of type. A documentary that they they had coming on. I want to see that come out earlier than expected, but we can find ways and topics to discuss about our beloved bull whilst they're away here. Do you have any random ideas off the top of your head that we can maybe bring to the table in future weeks? This is great. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Well, first of all, I will tell you, I'm going to perform uh, all these songs I've been writing about the bulls over the past 10 years live on this show with the Heinrich, with the Heinrich release. I have a song called Heinrich Rip Hamilton, um, Tom Thibodeau is another one I have. It's all these songs I've talked about. I'll perform them live. I'll bring my guitar and play them for you. Uh, so we'll do those. And then uh, before the actual studio release, i got plenty of time now to finish it. So that's good. The one good spot about this. Uh, I think we should talk about music. I liked our discussion on music. I think most people appreciated that. Why don't we get into our top five bands of all time? Um, there was one I had a great debate on, the top five American bands. Uh, U.S. bands of all time, which is, believe it or not, a little bit smaller list than you would initially think. Yeah, all, all the best music comes out of Europe. Well, that's not true. Aerosmith. That's definitely true. Aerosmith's one of the best bands ever. Beach Boys. Oh, get out of here. Come get on. Out of here. I mean, that, that'll be an interesting conversation. I'm, I'm more than prepared to have that conversation. I'll take the world over the, over the U.S. in any conversation. No, well, for music, I even I would probably agree with you due to the fact that my Probably five of the top four bands are from England in the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, Led Zeppelin. You know, those Pink are all. Floyd. <laughs> Pink Floyd. How about that? How about we give our top 10 bands on the next episode? Can you come oh, up with your it. list and I'll come up with mine? I swear if this death band is on there, I'm, I'm going to just end the show because that, that's come on. 
Right, look, we'll, we'll, we'll get creative. We'll, we'll put together some lifts. I definitely want to talk some over-underrated. I want to talk some overrated and underrated bulls over the last decade. I know you famously penned uh, the most underrated bulls. When was it? Was it last season on NBC <laughs> Sports that year, you did that? Last February. I still haven't maybe gotten around to the most uh, overrated yet. Cause I'm well, maybe we can we can take that up here on the podcast. Maybe we can go through that. I, I've, I've got a feeling I know who a few of the members of your list will be, but maybe we can sort of compile some lists. We can talk about random Bulls topics. We can talk about random Bulls games, even music, random other topics. If you've got ideas for me and Fred to sort of talk about and just just talk nonsense over. Now that we're sort of going through this thing together, then shoot us an email, ballshqpod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you guys because I'm sure you guys are doing nothing just like we are sitting around waiting for all this, waiting for all this to pass and waiting for basketball to pass. So if there's any way you want to contribute to the podcast, let us know. Hit up, hit us up on Twitter or send us an email. And Fred, where, where can people find you online, particularly on Twitter? At CBE Fred, at CBE Fred, just look for C Red Fred um, or also, you can find me at Chicago Bullseye. Also, I've started a new show on Hot Mike. You got to come on one of these episodes called Knights of the Roundball Table. See Red Fred Knights of the Roundball Table. I'm the head knight, and I have a random rotating uh, group of guests. I got to have you on one day, Mark. I think it'd be great where we debate bulls topics and we go around and then I explain who what the right answer is. So it's really interesting. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we do that at nine o'clock on either a Saturday or Sunday night. I have it on Sunday night tomorrow. By the time people hear this, they probably missed it. But that's been a big hit. A lot of people enjoy it. So uh, for the next show for us, though, let us I want your top 10 album list. I'll give my top 10 album list. We'll start at 10. You say it. I say it. You comment on mine. I comment on yours. Why it's wrong. And then we'll get all the way down to one. That's oh, a great cool, idea. Cool. That, that's a great. That idea. sounds like a good idea. Let's 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 get the people on this as well. Is, I'm interested to hear what they a... think are the top ten albums of all time as well. That because I, I know Fred, you and I are going to have most definitely differing opinions. No, 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 on this. Not, so top, be... not, not albums, bands, bands. Oh, top ten bands. Sorry, top ten bands. Well, even still, I'm, I'm sure we are going to differ greatly on this. But I'd be interested to hear what the listeners of this show have in their top ten. Most definitely. But um, yeah, I think. My music knowledge is most certainly superior to yours and my musical taste as well. I think we proved that last time around and I'm looking forward to doing so again. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No. Death better not be on there. I don't want to talk about them again. That scared me. So are we going to say our best top 10 for next week? Let's just make sure we get this clear. Is it going to be like individual performers too or is it bands? Look, I think we can workshop this offline and <laughs> maybe, maybe come up with our structure for the next show offline. We don't have to workshop it on this episode of the podcast. But <laughs> I think the point is that we need to find some different topics to be discussing, whether they're directly linked to our Chicago Bulls or even we whether they're completely randomly not even related to our Bulls at all. Maybe we can merge it all together, throw it together and pull up and uh, create a new podcast or new episodes of Bulls HQ whilst we wait for our basketball, our beloved Bulls to come back. So I think that's a good plan to do, Fred, but I think we're pretty much done for now. Hopefully, over the next week, things start to take a more positive turn. Hopefully, we as a globe can... Uh, take this threat a little bit more seriously hopefully we can find a way to sort of come together and sort of come together and, and get through this situation and take it more seriously that's so that's that's the aim for this next week i suppose and hopefully fingers crossed it doesn't get any more catastrophic than what it has been thus far but fred i think that just about does it for this episode of bulls hq thank you for joining me we'll be back next week bulls fans if you're in need of content, be on the lookout for that. Usual spots, same time, same place, all the time. We'll be back next week. Speak then, Bulls fans. 
Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.